Everyone, hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. My guest today is return guest Kulop Vilaisak. Hello. You said my name so beautifully. It's because you have it phonetically in your Twitter bio. So it does work. It does work. People do read that. It has worked for me. Um, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. Before we get into everything, I must talk about seeing you very briefly the other day at LA Podcast Festival because you made such a dramatic entrance. At least the impression on me was one of high drama. So. <laughs> I did my show kind of early in the day, met fans for, for had like a really long, um, really nice meet and greet. And then Daniel and I were outside waiting for them to bring the car up. And then I see this like bitchin' muscle car drive up. So that caught my attention. And then I look and there's a woman with perfect hair inside. And then I go, wait a minute, that's Kulop. I did not know she drove this kind of car. And her hair looks so perfect. And then... I see you get out and you have the most confident body language I have ever seen, or at least you did that day. The way you like strutted in, like you owned the place. It was like, there should have been music playing in the background. It really, it was really striking to me because I think I walk around sort of like apologizing for existing and being like please don't i'm sorry i exist don't look at me versus you're like i'm cool up and i'm here it was just have you known do you know this about yourself that this is how you are i mean (laughs) look i i there's been work that's uh, a lot of uh spiritual work that's been done uh for me to um have that car (laughs) (laughs) number one absolutely have that car and also to just like feel like I can take up space in a room Mm -hmm. and then that like whatever space I inhabit I'm not saying the entire space but that space that I happen to be in that is mine you know what I mean I do I I I don't know I've been really impressed yeah I've been it's something I've been working on since uh pretty much that I would say would be my 30s is is that that's been my uh kind of thing I'm trying to figure out so uh, that is great feedback from you and I appreciate it. It really was like, oh, I, I felt like I was being shown this sort of alternate mirror or vision for how one could go through life. And it made me go, I want to do that. Oh, wow. I want to be like that. Because, I mean, I was going there to per- to do a show. You know, I had a reason to be there. So I could have also been like, I'm here for my ready to inherit my show or yeah. whatever. But instead, and I just ha- kind of slump around. <laughs> That's me. A- and you had slumping. Schlumping. <laughs> uh, ain't nobody slumping around. <laughs> um, but you, you said like you had like a, a great show and an extended meet and greet. People who want to see you want to be there with you. Yeah. It's, it's a different type of home, but it's your home. Right. So that's yours. So have you consciously been working yes. on body language though, or just oh. on feeling comfortable in your own skin? I think it's like first. Step one, feeling comfortable in your own skin, and then you feel comfortable wherever you, right. you're you at. Well, very impressive. How did your show go? It went really well. Um, my co-host, Howard Kramer. Uh, so this is the Who Charted podcast. Who Charted on the Earwolf Network, uh, owned by Scripps. 
Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but also still owned by your husband Scott Ackerman? Or no, okay, no. Before they sold a uh, some time before it was sold, he had given up his ownership. Stake, oh, okay. Uh, because he didn't have time. Yeah, to do all that needed to be done in, in running a business, he was working on his TV show. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was probably within that 40 episode season. I'm not positive, but <laughs> he just didn't have time. And he, he still uh, stayed, ba- uh, was an advisor, um, had some stake, but not, not the stake that he had prior. Gotcha. Uh, which, you know, it all worked out, but man, that would have been good. <laughs> <laughs> that one would have been real good. It would have been good if he had had stake in it yeah. still when scripts came calling. Yeah, that would have been, but the same yeah. sense is like he, but it's, it's better for him to have had that creative, the show, the the TV show. Right. So, you know. Of the two of you, though, who's kicking yourself more about the fact that he didn't have the stake in it? Or are neither of you? I think neither of us. I think, I think it was too much for him already. And he wasn't, the business side isn't like his thing. Right. But certainly he, the creative side, I mean, all of that is owed to Scott Ackerman in Earwolf. Mm-hmm. There's nobody that should get more props for bringing the talent that started Earwolf in. Right. And growing it the way he did with his own podcast. So. Comedy Bang Bang. Comedy Bang Bang. We're comedy fine. Death Ray initially, right? Initially Comedy Death Ray and then Comedy Bang right. Bang. Okay. So you were saying your show at LA Podcast Festival, who charted? How did that go? Went really well. Um you know, as you know, you're supposed to arrive 30 minutes before. That makes sense. So that's what I did. And I did my tech. And that's what I did. Uh, my co-host uh, woke up at 4 p.m. Now, 4 p.m. <laughs> is when our show started. Oh, boy. <laughs> and so he uh, and and poor Howard, super stressed out, had to find his way to uh, to our show, uh, freaking out, and I had to start the show without him because it was live streamed. Right. So uh, when I got the text that like, sorry, fifteen minutes, the lights were down, and I was already, you know, the the credits rolling uh, for LA Podfest. Mm-hmm. But it, it it ended up being great, and and you know, it's like it's our fans. They know Howard. They know me it's funny <laughs> like and and there was a tiny bit of stress but as soon as i knew he was okay and on his way mm-hmm. we were golden and our guest natalie morales was s- perfect for the for the show and for the venue so it went really well natalie morales the actress the actress okay because yes. there's two of them yes. there's a newscaster and an actress this is the actress who was uh on the grinder um and among other uh, other TV shows. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Just to spend a minute talking about how great podcast listeners and podcast fans are. There's something that is so nice about performing in front of your own fans and just yeah. knowing that they're so happy to be there and they're yeah. into it. And it's, I find it very different than doing a live show in front of people that may not know who you are. He, I mean, it's so different. Yeah. And, you know, and it's crazy because we do this in a vacuum. Like right now, we're basically doing it in a vacuum right. and we don't. We have an audience of Jeff. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and we we enjoy it. <laughs> Thank you. But we're killing with this we're audience. We're killing it. And we're killing with each other. That's Let's true. not take ourselves out of yeah. the equation. <laughs> we both love it. But it's <laughs> it's it's such a awesome experience to be in front of your fans, in front of um uh, people who know who you are and the little things that you say or do your bits that they are laughing almost even before it like fully exits your mouth. Right. Like, that's such a cool 
crazy intimate relationship. Such a privilege. Yeah. Such a privilege. Um, so we were joking about Howard being late prior to knowing how late he was <laughs> going to be. Like that was already a bit. So it almost felt like it was just a heightening right. of what we were already doing. <laughs> he was just really committing to it. Uh, he commits to being him like nobody else. <laughs> Good. Okay. Well, there's so many things to talk about. Okay. Jillion dollar properties. Yes, please. Um, catching up on a lot or like getting an update on the stuff that we talked about last time, which is um, origin movie, the documentary Mm -hmm. you're um, trying to get pregnant. Um, That's all sorts of stuff. But first I want to say just a quick bit of business to my listeners. You guys I'm on Patreon now, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. And there's all sorts of cool stuff there. Rewards, bonuses, special episodes. Uh, Also, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, click through the banner on my website, AllisonRosen.com. doesn't cost you anything extra. It helps out the show. Thank you for all your Amazon support. Okay. So bajillion dollar properties, um, which I just watched the whole second season and I loved it. I didn't realize until I was watching it that it's, it all came from your brain. I knew, I mean, I knew that you were, you were involved in the creation of it, but you created the whole thing. Yeah. And tell me about that. Um, like what intrigued you about doing a parody of those real estate shows? Well, I, I unironically love those real estate shows. So million dollar listing. Oh yeah. And HGTV first. Okay. Uh, and Scott and I, my husband, Scott Ackerman, uh, we, we love going to open houses before we could afford to, to, go it to try to get a house mm-hmm. um i i like interior design i and in an open house it's just so you can just go through people's stuff <laughs> like not only can you like oh wow how did they decorate you are allowed to open drawers and i think that insight um i suppose that's what instagram is <laughs> now but I, I i like i like houses and and apparently going through people's drawers. And pre- going through drawers, <laughs> going through people's things. Um, don't let me in your house. Uh, don't let me in your bathroom, Allison. <laughs> Carrie Fisher wrote in her book, I believe it was Carrie Fisher, who said that a great way to procure pills is to go to open houses and go through people's medicine cabinets. Atta girl. <laughs> and she's successful. That's right. <laughs> Think about that, guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like... Um, and then when, when it was time for Scott and I to start looking for a home... Um, it's so um, it's so exciting and it's so very stressful. Yes, and everybody who's looking for a home is at a very high frequency uh, because when you finally decide that okay, this could be my house, and you've gotten the loans, uh, you've pictured living there for maybe until you die. <laughs> You're picturing holidays upon holidays, right? Mm -hmm. And so now you're at, like, now we're going for it. Now we're bidding it. And when it becomes a competition or if you don't get it, there's, it's just, the stakes are just so incredibly high. And when stakes are high like that, um, people act poorly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the comedy of the show comes from. And the great thing about, um, two two of my, uh, Scott is an executive producer. Uh, with me along with Dave Jargowski. They're from the Comedy Bang Bang Productions. And also Reno 911, Thomas Lennon, and Ben Garant are also uh, executive producers as well. And so, you know, looking at the Reno model of how they spoofed cops mm-hmm. and and similarly, like when you're getting arrested or you're about to arrest someone, the stakes are high. <laughs> and so there's a goal there. 
I'm either going to try to evade arrest or I'm going to arrest somebody with the house. I'm going to try to, I want to buy this house or I want to sell this person this house. So there's a goal. And I think with those stakes and with those goals, I think a lot of comedy can be had uh, from that. Mm -hmm. So it was just wanting to, again, truly loving those shows, truly loving homes. And then just wanting to have a world uh, to to play in, basically. And I'm I'm very lucky. I've been lived in LA since um, I graduated high school uh, in '98, so I was 18. I'm 36 now, and have been involved in, in the comedy community here. Uh, I've come up with uh, some amazing comedians, um, and it has always been a dream of mine to be able to work with all the people that I've worked with on this level. Um, so it really is just a confluence of like events. I wasn't familiar with um, some of the regulars on the show, but they're so good. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, who did I, who did I know before? I, uh, the regular, uh, of course, Paul F. Tompkins, uh, he, the mighty, mighty Paul F. Tompkins, <laughs> who plays Dean Rose Dragon, the uh, mercurial uh, puppet master boss. <laughs> um, and then there are brokers, um, and I knew, I knew of Drew Tarver through UCB, but he's a little younger than me. Mm-hmm. I'm a lot of younger. Um, <laughs> yeah, how old is he? He's 30. Okay. He's not that young then. No, not that young. Um, and I sh- is it okay that I'm throwing around ages? I think so. I'm fine with it. I think so. Although didn't some legislation just pass? Yes. Recently. Yeah. I saying- think when I saw you on Saturday, yes. I think it passed. Yeah. The- Cause I remember looking at, at, checking my phone and like sort of while I was at podcast and seeing that. S- isn't it IMDb can no longer list actors', actors names ages ages sorry <laughs> thank you if they didn't list the names that would be all mm-hmm. but just the ages mm-hmm. yeah just only your age and right. your photo um yeah and so. didn't sag did sag help push that through and Gabriel Carteris yes thank from you, 90210 who's pr- uh, like sag president mm-hmm. oh is she mm-hmm. oh cool yeah because it's you I know. get emails from her all the time but I don't think they're really strictly for me they're not direct emails. you don't need to think that way <laughs> my, she means she fills it up my inbox oh yeah wow. <laughs> and my heart <laughs> yeah i mean yeah they're well look you can't get some you know sometimes you get aged out right. when you look when you look sprightly you know what i mean aging nothing but a number i know i i like this new ruling my age is out there so much that I feel like it's too late for me to try to reel that one Take back, it back in. Yeah. But uh I'm fine with it. But again, I'm not like fully I- I'm on that, you know, that show running tip right now. So maybe if I was back, you know, just trying to audition every day I'd right. feel a little but it had already been out. I I I, I foolishly put it on sag myself and then regretted it immediately or on imdb myself I'm like why did i do that <laughs> like and i couldn't take it back you once up you couldn't right you know what it is i i want to live in a world where it doesn't matter i know even though i know it matters yeah so i think i feel like there's a lot of things in my life that have a lot of p- potentially poor decisions have come from i want to live in a world where this surface stuff doesn't matter and then like eventually i had to just be like oh but it does matter actually yeah um, well, is it how much it matters or how much you can defy how it matters, too? I don't know. That's just a layer cake. Well, I think life is easier when you accept reality as opposed to try to fight it. Yeah, but true. I also think if you accept it 100%, then you're like a boring conformist person. 
I mean, for me, just because of my background, I feel like I've earned every year, you know, and it's a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. But look, I mean, my knees creak and uh, <laughs> I got to keep dying my roots. This, these grays are, <laughs> they're outnumbering the other colored hairs. I have, yeah. I, I mean, with dark hair too, right? Like, it's just like, Pow. that's the thing is that um, that's why I'm a blonde lady now, basically. <laughs> I guess you are. Yeah. I guess you really are platinum blonde. Just about. <laughs> I it when you watch it. But now about. that you bring it up. No, I'd say you're more of like an ombre medium brown. Oh, thank you. Uh, it looks very good. Thank you. What is your natural color? Probably Super dark. black. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Probably. I think I need to start going lighter because when I try to cover up the grays, when I try to match my old color, then I see photos and it's just too like monochrome black. Mm. So now being pregnant, I haven't done any color, but it's not really because I'm worried about the baby. It's more just that I haven't been very happy with how the color comes out. Okay, see. So I think the only answer is to begin to go lighter. I'm just going to have to become platinum blonde too. All right. So you were saying though, Drew Tarver, you knew of him. I knew of him. Yeah. Uh, But Let's see who. Uh, other than that, for the most part, it was uh, Julie Ashton Barson, our uh, amazing casting director for seasons one and two. Um, she knew Dana Dude. I I had known of Ryan Gall. Um, Mandel Mon came from my good friend Christine Woods. Is good friends with her. She's I I was unfamiliar with her. She yeah. plays Vic- Victoria, Victoria. Right. She's Victoria so King. good. She's yeah. amazing. Um, Tony Newsom came. Uh, Tony Newsom and uh, Tim. Uh, Bolts are both Second City main stage alums and my head writer for season one and two, uh, Brad uh, Morris knew them. So mm-hmm. that's how they came in. So it really, th- that was the only time within the show where we had like full on auditions. Right. Otherwise, everybody else was just kind of people that I knew for the most part. But I, I am so thankful that we got this cast. They're amazing. And then I saw that Kate, is it Berlant? Am I saying that right? Yes. Who I'm such a huge fan of her. She's a staff writer. Yeah. She was, she wrote for seasons one and two. Unfortunately, um, it wasn't available to write for the next round, but she is, she makes me laugh so hard. Her videos that her and, uh, and John Early do were With the banana. Like, come on. <laughs> like, come on. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, just check out yeah. her Instagram. Um, yeah, it's really funny. And then also one of my favorite episodes of season two was written by, um, someone that I also wasn't familiar with, Jessica Gao. Go. Yeah, Jessica Gao. She's, uh, uh, let's see. She, she, Gao, Gao, I, man, that's just, we had some really funny, funny writers. Um, how did I meet her? I met her through Dave Jarkowski and, uh, and Scott because she has a project, uh, that they're producing through comedy com, uh, for Comedy Bang Bang Productions. And got to meet her and just like fell in love with her. Had you, was script writing and and show running and all of that, was that always an aspiration of yours or an ambition of yours? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I just, I think initially it was just to, was acting and it was uh, get a pilot, get a mm-hmm. pilot and, you know, get a series. Get cast in a pilot. Yeah, get, yeah, get cast in a pilot. Then you work on that, you know, for years. Like that was the... The naive kind of before I got into it ho- hope, mm-hmm. um, and I, I did I did well. I have a good resume. Uh, I think then there became a shift of wanting to have a little bit m- more control, and that's not it's a personality thing. Um, perhaps uh, maybe you saw a little bit of that when you saw me entering the <laughs> Hotel Sofitel. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> a desire to be on the other side of the table. 
Where do you think that came from? Hmm. Great question. I mean, I think not. I think I I, I um, didn't want to wait to be chosen mm-hmm. anymore. I wanted to do the choosing. Now, in this position, I had to be chosen. I had pitched it and someone had to pick it. And CISO chose me to uh, my project and myself to be the showrunner and, and, and the team that I put together. Sure. But for the most part, I make a lot of decisions and I love it. Like, I... I I, w- I thought I wanted to do this, and I find myself really loving this position. That's so great. And I think when you were talking about um, uh, maybe the vibe that you got from me, which really makes me happy, by the way, Allison. <laughs> Good. It, it comes, again, I am sort of battle-born. Like, it, 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 it came from... Uh, taking a risk, sticking my ne- neck out there, making a lot of mistakes, but then like being okay. And then, and then being good at something. And it's given me a confidence. Mm-hmm. It's made my voice drop lower. <laughs> I'm more open. That's, <laughs> you know, I feel, um, I think from last time I was here, I feel way different than I did before. And last time I was here, it, it was a really delicate, tough time for me. I was here to, um, uh, talk about origin story and and about my experience having gone to Laos to meet my father and I I I feel like I'm coming out of a darkness from that point mm-hmm. because it was a very traumatic experience for me right so for if listeners haven't heard that other episode you um Grew up in Minnesota, and when you were 11, right? 14. 14. Found out that the man that you thought was your father, who you were very close with, was not your biological father. That's right. Um, and then many years later, you you decided to find your biological father. Yeah, when I was 33. Yeah. Um, and you were making a movie about it. Yeah, a documentary of me going to Laos to meet him for the first time. Right. So what what's what's the status of that? The The... Project, the both. documentary, both. Um, the well, the documentary we're still working on. Um, I'm very lucky that Bajillion came about when it did because um, editing the documentary um, was, vi- was uh, and, and still remains, it gets less and less difficult because there's one thing about it was difficult to shoot it to um, put myself in positions where I was very uncomfortable. Um, There's no mistake that I took so long to go out and meet him. Um, Laos, it's not an easy place to travel, um, both uh, physically and emotionally, especially for me. Mm. Um, And then that was difficult. And then to watch it back is its own type of... um, kind of mind-bending experience to see um, to see from the camera's point of view subtleties that you missed in person. Like what? Just there's moments with my father where I should have pressed him or I missed a tell of a lie or I didn't press him on something or I can see myself so afraid and mm-hmm. so, you know, and so angry with my mother and and the first cut of the first rough cut that we have 
Well, the first rough cut was like three hours long. And then we, I mean, the, the one we have now that we're, we're paring down a lot and we're changing how it's um, being framed. But it was like so angry at my mom, like so like excessive. And I needed space and time to kind of like work through that stuff, mm-hmm. work so, on bajillion and then go back and go, oh, you know what? We don't need it's not a damnation of my mother. It's trust me, like my anger it, it will show, but it doesn't have to be so ham-fisted. It's like stuff like that, having the time right. to... Because your mom is a gambling addict and you were not speaking with on speaking terms with her when, when you and I last spoke. Is that still the case? Uh, I think, yes, that is the case. There was some talking in between now, then and now. Mm-hmm. My sister got married. Um, but yeah, it's still it still remains to be the most difficult relationship I have. Um, spoiler alert, didn't work out, did not work out well with my father. What happened? Um, he, and I don't mind saying this stuff. Maybe my producers be like, why are you giving that? But it's, <laughs> it's not a, I don't know. Like it's not, it's not a reality show. It's not a reality show. And I think it's going to, you're going to find it interesting how, how the information gets doled out. And maybe I'm wrong and you won't go see it once it's done. But, my father, um, he's also a hustler. Oh. Just like in a different way. And unfortunately, like with my mom, you know, she's a gambler, so it would come up a lot that she would want money. And ultimately, that's what my birth father asked for me too. And so now we have like no, no relationship. Um, and I have five little sisters that I didn't have prior. Mm-hmm. And the three youngest ones that are with him, I don't have a relationship with. I'm trying to work on a relationship with the oldest uh, sister from that father. Um, but it's hard, you know, it's hard. It's, it's, um, it's hard. It's just it's disappointing. I feel like I've disappointed her on like about every other turn. <laughs> and wait, sorry, say that sentence again. I feel like I've disappointed her almost in every other turn oh, because she knew about me her entire life. And the first time I spoke to her, she was like, I've always wondered about you. I miss you more than our father. I wish this is a sister. This is a, a sister. Yeah, that and and is like I, I you were like my imaginary friend. Oh, so it was very for me, which is like oh wow, but it's also like oh I'm just I know I'm like from the get go I'm gonna let you down. <laughs> like I, I just know you know and yeah. that's so we're trying to it, but it's 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 tough going. It's you know you, it's a great and I. I <laughs> when you lift rocks up, you know, there, it's dark underneath there and there's stuff that gets pulled up. Now, I think everyone should do it, but I, I, rem- I did not go through this experience not being unscathed. Right. Um, and so, but that said, it's, I believe so much in this project and I think we have, I think it's, I think what, the end result will be is great. Um, I'm just figuring out the framing of it to make it more clear. We've had a number of screenings of kind of what I knew. And it really is just me getting over the fact that like this is about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which you're like, oh, obviously, this is your story. But I kind of... But you're the director too. Yeah. So you got to play multiple roles here. Yeah. And I also was kind of hoping that like everybody else could feel... It. We need me to be saying more things. I see. You know, and that that's part of it. So I think there'll be a minor shoot just to kind of do sort of like confessional talking heads. Just to let the audience know what I know as it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But so my hope and my goal is to submit to Sundance 2017. Oh, cool. Um, so that's 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 my hope. So did you have a have a relationship with your birth father for a period of time before you realized that he was kind of hustling? Mm, not that long after, unfortunately. I mean, I had idea like I had I had inklings, but I was like, I, I need to let me just see. Let me just see. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody wants to. Uh, nobody wanted me to be right, <laughs> but you know, I I don't know if I wanted it to be right, but that's the situation. And I think dealing with that and my, because I went to find out the reason why I went on this sort of journey is because I miscarried. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so I, it was a form of nesting for me. So it was a confluence confluence events of like miscarrying just fraught fraught relationship with my mom and at some a really high frequency of her shenanigans (laughs) going what who am i where am i whom am i from yeah and there was this sort of man-shaped puzzle that i didn't know about let me go see you know and that that was the reason to to go from it and now to be honest i you know when I got back and the emotional, I was like, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if I want to have kids for a little bit because I really felt like the stories that I told myself about who I came from, therefore who I am, that negative voice, mm-hmm. like that those had, those had been right too. Like all of it was right. And I was like in the dumps about it. Like I was in the darkness about it. It was a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that time, I mean, I'm just like, uh, maybe kids aren't aren't a good idea. Like, maybe now is not the time for this. Were you afraid that you came from something dark and you didn't want to pass that on? Sure, always. That's always been my fear. Mm-hmm. And it's been in different levels. Now, I know that's, uh, you know, I've done a lot of work. I'm talking therapy, various things on top of that. But I know that that isn't, that isn't. I want to have kids now is what I'll say. Mm-hmm. But that's a, that is something that I've carried, you know, and I've held on to. And a lot of that stuff that I carry on to is not even mine. Right. But yeah, that's a fear. You know, I was, I was hit as a kid. I, you know, I mean, just, it was a rough upbringing. Um, and I have anger, you know, and when I was a kid and these things would happen, I was just like, I never do that to, when I have a kid, I'll never do that. But then, you know what? I mean, when you're hungry, tired, and like in a bad mood, you know. So it comes out, yeah. yeah, and it's what it comes down to is learning how to trust myself, and and so I just have to trust that I'll do right by my relationships and by a, a child if I have one. Can I ask a question that I feel sort of uncomfortable asking, but I just. Go I'm ahead. just curious. With your birth father, I feel like someone could ask for money and still be an okay person, though. So obviously, yeah. but there was there more to it that like, did you feel like he was just using you to get to the point where he asked you for money? Or I guess I'm wondering, like, sort of what is the other piece of it? He, um, well, he's sort of a guy who's a little inappropriate. Um, 
he there there's there's just a series of things historically that he's done um uh, uh but if i'm going to take something directly from me is that he asked uh the last sort of straw was that he asked me to purchase a home for him oh um so that he could uh, cuz he he was moving him and his family were moving to sacramento and he asked me to purchase a home for him um, so that he could uh, grow weed in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> so. so he's a businessman. He's, he's, he's an entrepreneur. And, 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 that's very true. <laughs> that's very true. And then when I said no, he got really mad at me. So I see. And then I got really mad at him. Right. I got more mad at him for him being pissy about me saying no to him. Right. That's than the actual ask. Right. Like if he had been cool about it. Yeah. Would have been a different story. Yeah. Well, it wasn't the ask. Yeah. It was the, you know, he's manipulation. He, yeah. And I was like, mail. oh, I'm not. I was like, ha, no, I'm not going to do this for you. And uh, you, it's not okay for you to ask that from me. And his thing was like, oh, well, I was just trying to get to know you. And that's what set me on a spiral of like, woof. Like, I mean, yeah. we're talking like Alice in Wonderland. Like, my eyes went black. <laughs> like, just like, uh, like completely. Right. Like, what have I go- stepped into kind of? And I'm just like, oh, wow. My mom, my dad from the same cloth. Is that cloth me? Yeah, yeah, because I'm Time remembering on to like you know your stories with your mom were that she would ask you for money and then if you said no she would flip out too. Oh yeah, it's just that's yeah exactly. It's the it's the, the menu. You, you don't have rights. You don't have the it, yeah. right to say no. You don't have the right to say no. How dare you? After all I've done for you, and it's like oh it's just like oh okay so all right all right okay <laughs> like it it's just yeah yeah that was tough that was tough but you you still encourage people to do it so yeah did you (laughs) yeah but if i didn't here's the thing it's like i keep going back to this beautiful image you had of me i understand (laughs) of me but like here's a there's the if i can go through going to laos to meet my father, who sometimes calls himself Jack. <sighs> Is that his name? No. <laughs> and <laughs> deal with that. Right. Um, uh, and if I can deal with losing the death of my friend Harris Whittles, then you know what? I can run this show. And you know what? I can walk into the hotel Sofitel and own the space <laughs> and own the space because I can, you know, I can't, I, I've, I'm not a, if anything, when I miscarried, I realized like, I know this is so stupid because clearly I was a woman before then. But when I was able to conceive, I was like, Oh, like I'm not, you, know, you talk about arrested development, you know, but like, I'm a woman and I can have a child and what a responsibility that is. And didn't I want my mom to always be responsible yeah. for that? For that? And she never was. She wasn't really great at that. That wasn't her suit. Now, look, here my mom, my both of my parents are, are war survivors. And I was born in a refugee camp. It's in my DNA. Like, we never had a chance in so many ways. We never had a chance. Like... I'm an anchor baby, you guys. Like, there's no... 
it, it's not simple. Mm-hmm. And that was also part of me learning my origin. But to go back again, it's like, okay, well, whenever I get freaked out about stuff, it's like, no, I mean, nothing will ever be as bad as when you found out Harris died. Even, even, even the stuff with my mom, it won't be as bad as that. So, um, so your dog Rocky, who I think uh, so many people who did not know this dog were in love with him because he was the cutest thing, mm-hmm. passed away recently. And there's 31 days of October, and you've been posting all this or retweeting, re re Instagramming, yeah, um, all this fan art. And the one you posted last night, which is this picture that someone made of Harris greeting Rocky, yeah. All the comments are like, okay, now I'm in tears. And I was reading it in tears. Like, it just the looks on the two of their faces. That was... I was blown away by that. Yeah, we... um, Podcast listeners, right? <laughs> They're the best. Like, they... um, They... They, they know my life. <laughs> like, um, and I made a choice pretty early on to show who I was. Of course, I make... I'm it's much disgust chagrin. <laughs> like at times, <laughs> there are things that I do keep private. I'm not do you totally think, insane. Are you but, more open than he is? Do you think? Oh yeah, I think anyone. If 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 anyone has met either one of us, I enter like um, a labradoodle <laughs> or a golden retriever, or you know, I bound in right. And then if I get scared, I pull back. Uh-huh. Scott's more reserved, right? You know, he's but a, a complete teddy bear. But I, you know, I'm like, hey, as I walk in, um, we balance each other out that way. Um, but yeah, I, because most of my life, there were so many secrets, like the one that you described. I, I have, lots of secrets have been like prison bars for me. So it is my practice mm-hmm. to to talk and have conversations instead of what I used to do, which is have full ongoing conversations with people in my head. <laughs> and then when I would see them act like, hey, we already talked about this. And then their natural reaction is like, whoa, I don't like your energy. And what are you talking about? Right. So it, it's a, it's truly is sort of this like, this practice that I have to be very conscious of um and so i am a little i i share a lot about my life and a lot about my life is like great joy and and harris was a good friend of mine is a good friend of mine and he would often watch rocky and they loved each other um so harris passed away and then rocky passed away and 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 our fans um who by the way during it uh, it, it's something about, and I know your dog passed away too, mm-hmm. um, where you don't have to explain why you're sad or why you're grieving and you don't have to go, you don't have to hear, well, he's just a dog. Cause like they know he wasn't just a the dog. Baby. Like when we, when I was growing up, maybe dogs were in the background. Right. But even before there was Instagram, Rocky was the star of my life. <laughs> like he was very much, if not, you know, he was second lead, at least if not <laughs> right. one on the call sheet, two on the call sheet, <laughs> like for me and Scott, you know. So um, it, it, I can't tell you how uh, how loved I, I've felt in a very difficult time. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you doing just in terms of with both Harris and with Rocky in terms of the grief? Um, and, and with your 
fam family if you group that in also in terms of grieving <laughs> yeah it's you know I, I you know my my sisters that i grew up with anita and Alyssa and um anita's husband paul and and my anita's my nephew kai anita's son we're close and and that relationship has gotten it is deeper and my sisters are grown women who i who i don't feel like i have to protect anymore they're they're doing great um like i said my sister got married last year i was the officiant to the wedding my youngest sister was her um maid of honor um i'm very proud of them that they came out over the summer and we had just the best time um so that part has gotten better um and I think I'm coming around with my mom. She's in Laos right now. She'll be back in February. She's been there for almost a year. Uh, I, 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 well, we're going to figure out a relationship between me and Pat. Her name is Bopet. She legally changed her name to Patricia. So sometimes I call her Pat. Mm-hmm. So Pat and Jack. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, um, but I have to mourn the loss uh, a lot of my issues were just like wanting my mom to be the mother that I wanted her to be and her not being able to be that mom for various reasons. And so there is a, a loss and a mourning of that. Um, I think, and I think I've fully done it in this time. And I, work helps. Work absolutely helps. Um, but, it, you know, one of my best friends in this time too, one of my, best friend's father passed away and there's been new babies and I don't feel alone in that, which I think is important. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, so at times good, at times not great. Yeah. So when in this whole process did you first start to work on bajillion dollar properties? Let's see. Um, I think, oh, well, Bajillion, uh, let's see. So, oh, okay. Uh, it's been in July. It was about 50, it was a year, 52 weeks of doing seasons one and two, um, from writing, uh, to end of post-production, end of editing. Um, and then I rolled right into making, writing some more. Mm Um, hi. Um, Uh, yeah, so it's been over a year then, I guess, over a year. And wait, I realized as soon as I was saying that, that there was one, there was a question from the step before that I wanted to ask, um, before I go back to Bajillion. Um, you said that the initial cuts of Origin Story were too, um, hard on your mom. Mm. Was that your reaction or was that people who, other, like, did you, did you initially see that or did other people see that first? Um, I I don't, I think it's, I think it was me really realizing it and just going, oh, this is probably, it's like, you know, you try it one way and then you go, I think you, I watch it, you watch it a bunch, I watch it over and over and go like, I don't, that's not what the story is. Mm -hmm. And realizing that's not the story. It's so interesting. It's so fascinating to me as someone who, who deals with a lot of similar issues, um, thematic issues not the I always knew my parents were but like all the other stuff yes sure to be able to watch something on a screen and get insight and 
to yourself and maybe into the fact that like maybe your own anger is clouding your creative process or whatever. Oh, yeah. It's like that's very – that's so cool. Oh, yeah. I was just like, what are you doing? <laughs> like this isn't <laughs> – I mean, it's interesting, but th- that's I think when you have like so much footage, like what's the strongest story, and how can we get it there? Right. And like there was just at first I thought, yeah, I thought it was one way, and then have especially now having taken, uh, just having a breather and coming back to it and saying like, oh okay, like yeah, and yeah, I don't feel that way anymore, and that's not just like that's not the juiciest stuff, and that's not I think the most interesting stuff. That's stuff that I've held on for. 33 years but that's not what is or more I should say that that those are issues and they're valid issues but that's not the story that I think I want to tell yeah that's for this that's so interesting because it's like yeah the stuff that is the stuff that you carry around and that locks you up is maybe not the most compelling thing yeah. but it's the thing that you deal with every day yeah it's the story that maybe has gone through my head. Oh, so then subsequently, it's like, well, maybe it doesn't need to be the story right. that is in my head all the time. And maybe it's time to let stuff go. I mean, that's also been this process. You know, the whole thing of like, of, yeah, I do suggest for you, if there's stuff that you're, that's holding you back, find out what it is, take it there so that you can let it go. I mean, that's so much of that is to let go. That's yeah. so hard. <laughs> it's incredibly hard. Like, and what identity is when you let that go? You know? Mm-hmm. Right. It's scary because it's like, well, what, what, if you let, the, if you let the identity you've been hanging on to forever go, what is going to replace it? Yeah. Yeah. But it's also then the flip side of that is like, you're making room for stuff that, you want in your life Mm -hmm. and you're removing things that no longer serve you. Well, I was going to ask what the pitching process of bajillion dollar properties was like, and I still want to ask that, but first I want to ask. So when we last talked, you were trying to get pregnant, but you had put it on hold because you had to take medication when you were going over to Laos. Um, I didn't know about the miscarriage. And yeah, because I probably wasn't ready to talk right. about it. Right. No, time. yeah, no, I yeah. totally. I, I don't mean that. Like, I can't believe you didn't tell me. I hope that no, no, I didn't like take that it at that all. Way. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just saying now there's sort of more to the story. Um, which, yeah, the people I know who have had miscarriages, it's been devastating. Um, I actually, I initially was pregnant with twins and I lost one very early, but it was a, that was a different experience than the people I know who've had, who've lost their pregnancy. Um, yeah. So I know that that's, and society is not good at helping women through that because people don't talk about it because people keep their pregnancy secret and then they, you know, um, so but what we were kind of bonding over just the difficulties of getting pregnant yeah. at our IMDb ages, <laughs> even though I am older than you. Um, so where's 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 everything stand with the babies now? I think, and I think fairly recently, I feel like I've I've come around to like knowing that it's something I want to do, and that we need to get serious about it, and that I don't know, maybe it's more than just like doing it on our own. We've been doing that enough on our own. So seeing what our options are, um, we both are, uh, you know, are 
um, we've been working a lot, but uh, in the last couple months, we're like, let's, we're just doing all, tons of tests for various reasons, but mm-hmm. this included, right? Like really focusing in on that because I do think on the other side, yes, I'm busy right now, but I do know on the other side of 40 that I will regret this. And so the turn recently was, no, I, I want this. And I, I'm not, I'm not trying to silverline this at all. I don't think, but like, I do feel when Rocky passed away, which was on Labor Day, um, there was a moment when I said to Scott, I was like, I, I think we'd be good parents because we co-parented Rocky. Like, I was looking for a old, um, like the very first pictures that Boston Buddies Rescue sent me of him. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find this photos. What I did find was a month later after we got him was an email to my sisters that were visiting. And it was like, guys, this is going to be great. We got a, we got a few Rocky rules. Okay. <laughs> and it's going to be so good, but it was like 10 rules. It's like, when you come in, don't greet him. Like really be calm. Like there was like, you know, and he had, we were very like, you know, I had boned up on Caesar Milan. I looked at, you know, like we had all these like things that we were going to do. Like, all these tips that we adhere to when when I went and got him and before we went inside, Scott took him on a walk before, <laughs> you know, we always left the lights on. And when anyone would, would Harris would watch him, I'd have this like binder basically <laughs> of like, this is like, you know, don't forget, you know, like these the are Rocky, Rocky things. <laughs> this is his vet. This is a vet near you. <laughs> like it was like, you know, it was and. And you know what, guys? Rocky thrived in that environment. <laughs> See? So, you were a good mom. So I feel like... It, and it's something for Scott, too. I mean, like, it was... It still remains to be so hard for him. And I know you understand. It, the most, like, unconditional, uncomplicated relationship he and I have ever had was with Rocky. Yeah. Uh, and And we loved him. We love him. He loved us back. It was... It's such a huge loss. Like there's no, and so, so. It's like losing your heart. Yes. Yeah. Just, just walking into the door and not hearing his feet, the ritual of feeding him, the ritual of taking him out, the ritual of like morning snuggles and evening snuggles, but that's not, I don't have that anymore. And that I had, I had it a lot and it was great, you know, and 11 years for a dog is a long time, but I was going for 14. Um, but but I do know in my heart of hearts, and especially since I went on the Boston Buddies website <laughs> and, I, and I saw they don't place um, with homes with kids younger than uh, eight years old. And I understand that. And a lot of those dogs get surrendered because a new baby comes. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that we probably won't have another dog until a kid wants to have a dog. So then what comes first? Probably the kid right. in that. And I just know that. Right now, I know that that that's that that's part of it. It makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, I remember a therapist saying to me when Oliver died, because um, I was trying to get. I was already doing. Was I doing IVF at that point? I was already like going to a fertility clinic and sort of gearing up to it, like. I don't remember exactly what she said, but it was something like, imagine, it was a life coach, not a therapist, I should say that. But 
but still someone in a therapeutic she look i'm all about everything (laughs) no judgment for me (laughs) but like imagine oliver sending you your little boy and the funny thing is and i i'm sure at the time i was like okay i will imagine him sending us a girl because that's what i want (laughs) but um i am pregnant with a boy (laughs) and i also want a boy i should say that yes um but i'm just saying it's i don't know um but yeah i totally think i think once i have this kid i'll probably be like oh wow i couldn't have been more wrong but from where i sit now i think it is having a dog that you and your spouse raised together is is similar to having a baby in terms of learning how to co-parent that's what i think yeah i mean it certainly you know we got to sleep in with rocky which is like more <laughs> so than i think other dogs like he right. was really really you know um he's real easy that way but yeah i think for us two self-centered people um we learned to not be mm-hmm. when it came to him yeah so there's hope for us is what i'm trying <laughs> to say <laughs> right i mean the day-to-day i'm sure is quite different but i mean yeah. just in terms of the prioritizing this little thing that depends on you yeah. ahead of yourselves and yeah, the way that, you interact what a with practice it. yeah whatever i mean so much of it was like well if we go on this trip, what is is this a rocky going trip? Are we, you know, like we never put him in a kennel. People would come watch him, or you know, drop him off at Paul Rust's house, drop him <laughs> at Harris's house. Armin, you can't see, you can't have a dog at your place, and so you come stay at my house, <laughs> like so you can watch Rocky. Like so much of that was like we're gonna decide to drive to Arizona to my in laws so that Rocky can come too. Like, yeah, <laughs> was he sick? Was it his old age? I think it was. He was older, and his eyes were bad. But you know, he the vet had come and seen him. Um, I think he had. I think it was a stroke. Early Sunday morning, well, Labor Day, and then uh, when we took him early morning on Sunday to the vet, his vitals, his heart was was good, um, but. Uh, I think it was something that manifested in his head and we, um, he stayed the night at the vet's Sunday night and then, um, 9am the next morning, that's like, he's good. Uh, he seems like his, his reflexes are a little bit off, but we just gave him some like morphine or something like that. And so that's probably part of it. Why don't you come here at 1130? This is Labor Day. Um, and we'll have him transferred to the VA hospital in um, West LA. He'll be ready to go. They'll do a CAT scan on him uh, the next day. And so uh, we were on our way there, got there at 1130. And I just knew something was not, wasn't right when I got there. They put us in a room. She's like, did you get my message? Looked at my phone. She had called at like 1119 when we were on our way. She's like, we found Rocky unresponsive. We're giving him fluids. Um. We're... Um, we're doing compressions, but I tried everything. I just need you to tell me to stop. And how was that? Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) Yeah, sad. But we had to hold him. A moment of sadness. <laughs> I feel like they need to address the silence because now 
there's tears. <laughs> um, oh, well, this probably sounds empty, but it does get better. Um, I know that losing Oliver was just devastating and it felt that way for a long time. And it's, it's still like, I've had a, this recently, for, I don't know why it's been on my mind again. Um, and I've been, you know, and I turn the, the end, I turn it over in my head over and over again. And then I try to tell myself like, though he had a short life, there was so much goodness outside of those last few days. And yet I think it's just the trauma of the last few days that like I replay it over and over. So it comes and goes, but I don't feel like something has been like my heart's been ripped out of my chest every day. Like I did for a long time. Yeah. <sighs> um, that's good. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I, I have, uh, you know, a little, f- it's been okay, but my little fear is that, you know, I got him when he was two. He passed away when he was 11. Um, you know, all those things that I described that happened in the last two, three years and the stuff that happened before, you know, Rocky was a, an amazing source of, uh, solace. Um, and uh, a reason to uh, get up out of bed because he had to take care of him. So even though I was, like, really sad, he needs to go outside, right? And so when stuff happened with my father or when Harris passed away, like, I had that Rocky, right? Life stuff's going to happen coming forward, you know? Like, things, it, it's hard. The, yeah. This is not my place. But what about the idea of adopting one before the baby comes, before they can say we can't give you a dog <laughs> if you have a child? Um, I, I think it may – I don't know. I mean, you know, I brought it up to Scott of like, well, what if we were to rescue, you know? Um uh and he's like i can't and it's like i know and i was like i can't either right now like i can't yeah we so i had that thing in the morning too of like i can't stand it's weird the morning was when the sadness hit the most more than i mean evening was awful too but it was mornings it's like oh my i'm waking up into this empty reality again and i couldn't stand being in the house so i really pushed us to get another one and we did it sooner than we should have because all of a sudden then we had Wendy who is the love of my life now. But at the time, I mean, and it just, it just takes time to form an attachment. And so I was like, well, now I'm grieving. I'm still in pain and I've got a puppy and I keep looking down at the end of the leash and being like, who are you? And why are you here? Not the other one. I don't get it. Um, thankfully I took a lot of pictures though. So I can look back and be like, and experience that now. But we, I ended up, and then I brought Daniel, going to this um, pet loss grief support group because I just was like, I, I can't, like, it's, I'm not getting better. I'm just, and then I sort of discovered that, it, well, it just takes a lot longer because it was like six weeks later and I'm like, why am I not better? And, and then I remember talking to the woman who leads the group who's like, six weeks is really not much time at all. Um, I had this idea in my head that somehow I could move pa- through it faster, but Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm the same way. I'm like, let me go through it. Yeah. And then be done with it. Oh, that's right. not how grief works. No. Actually, a lot of things don't work that way. It's it not how life works. Oh, turns out. Like, I hate that, though. I know. <laughs> my friend, 
my friend June just like you just feel like you like you you were gonna check a box like if that yeah maybe but it's gonna show up in a different way I know I think I was like okay next phase of grief next let's yeah, do this. yeah there's five let's push so. through let's push through yeah, yeah. Um, um but at the so the grief at the pet loss group they really advised not rushing into getting a pet until you feel ready. And I was like, then I won't tell you that I already have one at home. <laughs> no, I was open about that. But yeah, so I don't know. I mean, everyone does it in their own way. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of pushed us. And Daniel didn't feel ready either, but I, I pushed it and he kind of acquiesced. Yeah. I really, I think, and then maybe, maybe in a couple of months I'll feel differently, but I, I think it's like the focus is like we should get pregnant. And, yeah. and, it, and knowing all the avenues, I think will further give us information mm-hmm. of like what what's in store. Also, my in laws we're moving our in laws my in laws back into the state. They live in they live in um, Arizona, and we, and their health deems it necessary for them to be closer. Mm-hmm. And so that's the other spectrum of like um, care that needs yeah. to happen. So I just wonder if that I, that it, I think at this time would not be fair to bring on a, a another furry family member in this environment. Not it's not a bad one. I'm just saying, like there's a lot going on. There's a lot yeah. going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so to to lighter stuff. Um, what was the pitch process for Bajillion Dollar Properties like? It was. Um, uh, let's see. I, we I started working. It's just the idea that I had. Um, I started working with uh, Dave Jargowski and Scott, uh, my husband, uh, comedy Bang Bang Productions, and then we, we, I think, yeah, we initially pitched it to Paramount, our studio. Uh, they liked it, um, and then we brought on Tom and Ben to also be um, co EPs, and then we, in two days, uh, just caravaned to you know i think we had like in two days we had like six pitches mm-hmm. did uh, you have a script written at this point or an outline that, i see an outline yeah and so if people don't know the show it, it's very much like reno 911 in that it's um semi-improvised um and uh so so i had an outline which uh, gave was a synopsis of what the show is, what it is uh, overall, what it could be weekly d- episode ideas, and description of characters and what their relationships were. Um, and the the pitch process was very fun because it was we we went in seven deep. It was like Paramount, um, and and Dave, and then Scott, me, Tom, and Ben. Just like a lot of it is like I was pushing like stories moving forward, and like we were just doing bits. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think two people wanted two parties wanted to buy it, and we went with CISO. Awesome. Let's take some questions from listeners. Awesome. When we ask, they send them in They're wondering how you have been So thanks so much for answering These questions from our fans Okay, La Star Trek says Howard Kramer is my winner of Quote, looks least like you expect After hearing his voice <laughs> Who's yours? <laughs> I know a lot of people think he's like an older man <laughs> Or just not how he looks Um, Looks least like uh 
Kim Kardashian. I'm trying to think of who. Oh yeah, what, she, she she should look blonde, right? Yeah, based on her voice. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never thought about how her voice sounds versus how she looks. But you're right, and she looks like she should have like a sultry, smoky kind of voice. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of but she what, sounds like Paris Hilton. Uh huh, and like more nasally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have one? So I do two versions of the show. There's this show, which is the one-on-one, which is on Mondays. And then on Thursday, there's a panel of us. And one oh. of the guys on the panel um, is this guy named Greg, who I think has sort of, sort of the Howard syndrome, where people hear Greg and you imagine he's like this older, overweight Jewish man. Uh-huh. Most people think I'm a fat old guy from New York. <laughs> yeah. But really, he's um, – I think he's like my age, but he's tan. he's a tanned, muscular, dark-haired surfer guy. Oh no! Yeah, that's he looks not, nothing. Like, I'm not getting that read yeah. like, from that voice. No. Ooh, play another one. It's horrible what she did to that fish. Notice <laughs> <laughs> him talking about his wife using too much oil to cook fish. But yeah, he. Well, I'll show you a photo of him. Yeah. Uh, Four inline non-impacted wisdom teeth. <laughs> you, he's. You imagine. Not at all what he what he looks like. Yeah. So it's shocking to people. Um, okay. Andy says, what is the most, wit- excuse me, what is the most Midwestern thing you still say or do? Oofta. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oofta is pretty, pretty. And that's like a, it's like, oh boy. Yeah. Oofta. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, a very Scandinavian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I'll, I'll drop like my, my vowels will, will, will sometimes be lead footed. <laughs> can't help it. Bagel, bag. Oh, what? yeah. I have a friend who says bag, bag. Yeah. And she's initially or, or originally from Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. We like those vowels. We like to keep them crisp and heavy. <laughs> um, well, a, a similar question. Chris Selvey says, does she miss living in Minnesota? My adult life has been in L.A. Um, although I this week, it is too hot yeah. I don't live in Arizona. <laughs> I live in California. I'm not enjoying. It's dry. People's allergies are flaring up. People are getting sick. And in these moments, I miss a Minnesota fall. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't miss the uh, mosquitoes <laughs> at all. Oh, I didn't this, know there's oh. a lot of mosquitoes there. Mm-hmm. And the snow, very beautiful. But it's a, a lot. It's a long time. But mm-hmm. I love the visual of the snow and the crisp- crispness of a fall or winter morning in Minnesota. But aside from this awful, awful heat, uh, I, I love L.A. Um, we're nearing me me being here for almost half my life. So It's your home. Yeah. Listeners who don't know, it's been, it was like 104 yesterday or the day before. Come it's on. been real hot. It's been ridiculous. Okay. Jen says, what's it like working or running a show on a streamed network versus network TV? So I've never done a network TV, but um, excuse me. My understanding is uh, I have a lot of creative control. Um, I can. Uh, we have CISO is um, uh, TM uh, TVMA, so we can say all the swears <laughs> um, and side boob half butt if we want to. <laughs> but um, there's a lot of a lot of freedom um, because they're not beholden to it. Uh, advertisers right um it's a subscription service uh yeah so they're 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 just they've just been great partners and 
I know from friends who have even shows on Comedy Central. There's less; uh, they have less creative control. Mm-hmm. Um, is that how their business model works? Is it entirely subscription? Yeah. That, huh? Okay. And then one bajillion dollar properties question. Um, this is not that was. Thank you, thank you, listeners, for your questions. I mean, I was wondering though in. Some of the episodes, they'll be showing a house and they'll be like, you can keep the furniture if you want. Does that actually happen? Furniture conveys? Yeah. Oh, so there's a whole term for it. Oh, yeah. I was not aware of this. Yeah. Well, anything is negotiable. Right. Um, you know, when it comes uh, to to purchase price, you can talk about how long do you want the escrow? All right. Well, can I have the fixtures? No, you can't. What about the washer and dryer? F you. Those are my <laughs> washer and dryer. <laughs> like, yeah, everything can can be. Um and sometimes you don't intend some – there's instances where you don't intend to, but if that's what will sweeten the pot either way. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Let's do Just Me or Everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay, this is where people write in what things they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me or is it everyone? And we weigh in. Lane says, I enjoy holiday seasons more than actual holidays. Christmas, Halloween, movies, decorations, food are better than the holiday itself. I would have to agree. I love holiday. I love the season. I love the gearing up towards the holidays. Christmas is my favorite holiday, my favorite time of year. I feel the actual day is always somewhat anticlimactic. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, you know, there's so much planning involved. You want to see your your plan go through, but then in the end, you're just cleaning up. Yeah. So that's true. Yeah. But then so much of life is like that. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so many lessons on this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Oprah Wincost says, <laughs> um, when looking at a screenshot of a text message convo, I have to reference my own phone to figure out who is the sender receiver. Yes, a thousand times. And I always feel like I'm the only one. When So when someone like Instagrams a, a screenshot of a text message thing, I'm always like, wait, which one's you? Yes. And then I realize that you're on the right. <laughs> That's how that works. Yep, yep, me too, me too. Okay. Krista Lorenz says, the worst part about being sick is blowing your nose after you've done your makeup and it all gets rubbed off in the tissue. Well, look, why are you putting on makeup if you're sick? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know if I have this one regarding being sick, but I definitely know that feeling of like full face of makeup, which is fewer, fewer and far between... Fewer and far, that doesn't make sense. It's not that it's not that frequent anymore that I do the full face of makeup. But if I do, then blowing my nose and being like, well, now the tissue's orange. Yeah. It's kind of gross. And just sweat. Yeah. And your face is literally melting off. <laughs> Ugh. But then there's some makeup where you're like, I'm melting. And then you look in the mirror and you're like, I st- it's weird. There's beads of sweat on top of what still is like pretty much perfect makeup. How, how, much, how much is this just shellac on top of my face? <laughs> But regarding the cleanup, the, the worst part of the full face of makeup for me is just taking it off. Yeah. It makes me not want to put it on. Eye makeup, right? Yes. All my towels have mascara marks on them. <laughs> James Leroy Wilson says, think it's weird when people say striped with two syllables. I have never, I don't think I've ever heard that. I'm imagining wait, wait, wait. striped. Huh? Do people say striped? Striped? think it's weird when people say striped with two syllables. The only way could be striped. 
And I feel like I've maybe I've heard striped. Striped. No. Striped. 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 Yeah. It might, it might be just but, you, but if we heard it, it would be us too. Are there animals that people say that about? Oh, like, like a, a striped, striped bass or something. Why do you say striped? Yeah. Striped zebra? (laughs) Yeah, striped lizard. Huh. I mean, if someone said that, I would think it was weird. Yeah, we would think it's weird. (laughs) James Leroy Wilson also says, I hate when people call or knock when I'm in the middle of a TV show. Wait until the top of the hour. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. So he's not DVRing. He's watching it live. Right. Wow. I mean, that's not most people's behavior. So I feel like you have to give some yeah. some consideration there. But it's also, also, I find that not a lot of people knock unexpectedly. Yeah, who's coming to your house right. unexpectedly? There was a time in my life where I had unexpected visitors. College. Oh, sure. Like yes, that's everyone yes. unexpected. And then the apartment I lived in after college, because we were young and social, so people would drop by. But no one has ever has a drop by in it's been years. And I'm yeah. good with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me know if you're coming. Right. Um, and even now, like a lot of my friends have trained me. Um, they don't want me to come in a, a minute before I'm supposed to. <laughs> so I'm to wait outside it and then come and knock the door. Like, really? Yeah. Yeah. They feel like it's to be early is not... <laughs> And not, a lot of my friends don't believe in that. Are you a, are you an early person? I'm usually an, an earlier on time. I mean, I'll occasionally be like, Howard thinks I'm a late person. I'm like, oh, you're a late person. <laughs> and if you were at the LA Podfest, I think that... Right, I think we know who's telling the truth. <laughs> I mean, I arrived here 30 minutes early, but now I thought I was, I thought I was one minute late. Really? So there you go. <laughs> 3.31. Yeah, the podcast was four. Confused. You got here at three thirty, but yeah. that made me feel like, oh, I after because I did because you were like, oh, I'll just come back, and I'm like, okay, and then I felt bad that I didn't say like, well, I think I said, are you sure? And you said yes. Oh yeah. But it, I did some soul searching afterwards, and I thought, how close am I trying to cut it that if someone shows up half an hour early, I'm not ready? Like I should probably be getting ready a little sooner. No, don't think like that's for me to be thirty minutes early is is nuts in LA. That's <laughs> nuts well but it was a mistake it yeah. was a mistake but i it was the funny thing is the only time it's happened that way where it's been a mistake has been jeff and me sitting here being like where's the guest and then they're like oh i had it down for an hour and a half from now people have ha- had been have been wrong on the time but it's always on the later side oh okay um, well, but no it's it was good you it's called good. and i was like i looked at it, i was like no 3 30 is when i was supposed to leave okay <laughs> like <laughs> like i think i just glanced i was like i gotta be there at 3 30 but it was marked on my calendar right to leave that i idea. see but you still know. it was good for me to realize this i mean but given that i do the podcast from my home this probably will happen again in the future so i should just be ready a little sooner we're learning lesson. You're having a baby. Nobody expects this from you. <laughs> okay, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. You have permission to just do what you're doing. You're doing fine. Demian Cordova says, when I meet a couple and one is nice and the other is a jerk, I think, what do they see that I don't? Yes, times a thousand. Yeah. But is it what do they see that I don't or is it what are they blind to? That Like, are you seeing the reality or is there more than you're seeing? But it's probably the latter. Probably this person who's seems horrific is wonderful in some way that's what i usually find 
that but then there are always exceptions to the rule yeah yeah i really think there probably are people who like they just don't realize they married a jerk (laughs) (laughs) they're so enamored of some quality that they look past the fact that like this person's a raging bitch or just a total (laughs) asshole oh yeah for sure sarah says want to shout just poop already when all the bathroom stalls are occupied but silence fills the air (laughs) <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I don't know if I would want to bring that on to other people. <laughs> no. It's an aggressive move. It is. I'm guessing that's a counterproductive move. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's gonna... Do you want people to seize up more? Yeah. <laughs> that's going to make people clinch. <laughs> I did have the experience recently of being in a public restroom. And we've talked about apparently men's restrooms are just... Filled with farts. They just fart without caring at all. It's just like, right? You just walk in and it's just constant farting. It's true. It's a fart. Uh, a and fart free zone. And no one... Or free fart zone, I should say. And no one feels embarrassed by it, right? It's like, what? It just is done. I, it's just constant it farting. It strikes me as a bit weird, but uh, it is... That, uh, that is the norm, yeah. And we talked about it on the podcast, whereas in women's restrooms, it's it's... Fart shame. It's a fart shame zone. You yes. don't want to fart to sneak no. out. Occasionally it happens and you feel bad about it. Yeah. But it's not addressed. No. It's, you know, we all move on, right? It's not talked about. Right. So I was in a restroom and a fart snuck out. <laughs> and I'm like, well, now I got to stay in here till everyone who's in here leaves because I don't want them to see my face and know that it was me. But then more people started coming in and I... Eventually, I'm like, well, now I'm rude because I'm just occupying this stall. So I had to, le- I had to just sneak on out. Um, I don't think the person. I think that there had been enough of a turnover at that point that it was yeah. different people. Yeah, but still. Or you could come out if you came out right away afterwards, <laughs> and you could oversell and be like, "Hey, which one of these assholes was the one that was farting up the storm in here? Huh? Right? Huh?" And then take yeah. off. I know. Yeah. I should have been like, "Ew, gross." <laughs> I had to get out of here. <laughs> Um, I mean, I have done it where I was, um, where like I'm on the toilet, and then I'm just like, oh, sorry, like just like <laughs> just just a detached voice after a fart is probably not great either. No, that's that it's confident. It's confident. It says you don't mind if you can't fart in a bathroom. Where can where you can fart? You? The men's bathroom, apparently. Oh, yeah, yeah right. I know. Maybe that should maybe that that's should be the, my movement. I get my cause celeb, like yeah. ladies, fart. Freely. I, w- I don't think we can do it. Scott would prefer that I were to only fart on the toilet. <laughs> and yet, that's not the case. Well, what does he do? He won't he, be happy about you. He's, he's not. He's, he does like, he farts away from me. That's not. He thinks farts are just as funny, but like thinks they're disgusting where I'm a little bit more free in that regard. Yeah, I um for a long time could not fart in front of my husband i'd be like oh i'm going to and then all of a sudden it would disappear pregnancy has solved that but i think <laughs> that i had actually got i think i'd worked through it before pregnancy but i didn't do it all the time <laughs> but well look i'm i'm not about like let's fart on each other or like let's do it on purpose right. situation but if it happens it's like oh big deal yeah I'm guys like, i'm, I'm not you. about farting on each other <laughs> Okay, and lastly, David Sitlani says, prefer rainy and in the 50s to snow and too friggin' cold. Hashtag Seattleite. 
Oh, I thought the 1950s, which does not make sense. <laughs> I was like, I was taken to a time and place. Right. <laughs> like, no, rainy and... Rainy in the 50s. Sorry. Excuse me. Temperature in the 50s to snow and too friggin' cold. Um, I used to like rain a lot. I used to like the sound. I liked rain from the inside. And uh-huh. I didn't mind it so much from the outside. Cozy, and then, reading a book. Yeah, oh, all so those nice. things. Yeah. And I still like the sound of rain when I'm on the inside. I don't... I think it was around high school that I began deciding that I that I wanted to wear my curly hair straight. And that was before any sort of like Japanese or Brazilian or any of that. So I would just just blow it dry mm-hmm. uh which was really a really long sweaty process and then if it was raining i'm like well I, yeah i can't i can't i just can't <laughs> yeah. can't go out in that so that began my loathing of the rain so i think now i think i'm okay with snow and, and too cold i'm also okay with 50s and overcast i love i mean in la an overcast day yeah oh, it's so great i prefer overcast to sunny all the time. All the time. Yeah. There was a day, maybe a week and a half ago, when it was 65 out or 68 out all day, and I just walked outside, and I was like, sweet, merciful clouds. Uh, I remember that day. Agreed. Yeah. Yes. I felt, because I remember <sighs> I opened the blinds, and I saw that it wasn't really bright, and I was like, oh, I love it. Yep. When well, is it going to get cold? I, oh, man, I really hope soon. It's uh, it's supposed to be now. Yeah. I thought that day, that day, that wondrous day you were talking about, I thought that was the beginning. I was hoping that and was the beginning. Like, nope, it's 104. Trending up. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was the big break. Fall <sighs> starts now. Yeah, and I wanted to wear my flannels. I want to wear, like, come nope. on, let me do it. My boots. Nope. I want to wear my boots. Well, Kulop, it was so much fun to have you on the show, even though I feel we discussed some sad stuff. Yes. But but good, honest, sad stuff. And now the most important question that I've been gearing up for for a while. Your eyebrows are perfect. What? Yeah, your eyebrows are perfect. Really? The arch is perfect. Is this <laughs> natural? You. Do you pluck them? Does um, someone do them? What's going on here? I have, um, I, I get them threaded and then I do maintenance in between. Okay. Now I am way behind on getting them threaded and I'm just just doing my best to kind of like the the parameters that were laid out for me that I'm following them with like tweezing. Right. But yeah, I... The shape though. I'm oh, just wow. very enamored of the shape. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> subscribe, iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. Follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. Also, um, the store on my website, we have logo pins and t-shirts and all sorts of fun stuff. Jeff, where should we go for you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. And Kulop, let them know where to find you. And they should obviously tune in to the season premiere of Bajillion Dollar Properties, which will be August 13th. This is airing the Monday of that week. Yes, October 13th. Um, and uh, season one is available right now uh, to watch in full. And, and season two will be available in full on October 13th. Um, uh, well, what else did you ask me to say? Well... Plug, plug everything you want to plug. So oh, I would, sure. I would say your Twitter and your Instagram if Thank you want you. to throw that out. Yes. Also, your podcast. Oh, makes sense. Uh, my <laughs> podcast is Who Charted on Earwolf. Uh, we have shows uh, that come out uh, Wednesdays every week. My Twitter handle is at Coolop, and my Instagram is at I A M I M Coolop. K U L A P. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Thank listeners. You. Thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know? 
show We had a good time But now we gotta go Yeah, Alice and Rosie 